everyone, and welcome back to the Be The Benchmark podcast. I am so excited that you're joining me here today once again as we continue our discussion of the book Untangled by Lisa Damore, guiding teenage girls through the seven transitions into adulthood. It's been awesome so far. I've read this book multiple times, and I'm so happy to finally be sharing snippets of it with you. I want to remind you once again that in no way are these podcast episodes meant to replace your reading of the book or your listening to the book on Audible, which is also highly recommended. But I wanted to give people kind of an overview and a sense of each of the chapters and the strands and really think about where are the areas where you might need to discuss more with your child or discuss with your parenting partners or delve in deeper to what's going on with your child. And so that is the entire purpose of this series. And I hope that's what it's doing for you. So feel free to give me feedback about that. But we're just going to go ahead here in a minute and get right into the next chapter, which is Harnessing Emotions. everyone. For those of you that don't know, I am recording this as a podcast. At the same time, I'm recording video that I share in my Facebook group specifically for moms of girls, which is called Mod Squad, M-O-D, Mother of Daughter, Mod Squad. So if you are interested and you're listening to this podcast in joining other groups of other women who are raising daughters and want to raise them to be brave and kind and fierce and savvy and all the amazing things, then hook up with us there. If you are watching this in the Mod Squad, I just want to remind you that you can listen to this anywhere that you have access to podcasts, whether it's Apple Podcast or Stitcher or Spotify, all over the place you can catch that. Uh, So Untangled is the book that we're going over. This is the book, again, that I recommend over and over and over again to moms of daughters and or sons, either way. It's such valuable information. And what I have been doing for the first several episodes is just kind of going through my notes and taking notes and then talking to you. But I think what I'm going to do today is I'm just going to literally go through the next chapter, Harnessing Emotions, and read to you kind of a little bit about the places where I have highlighted and talk through those things because I have highlighted this book multiple times. I've read through it multiple times. I continue to come back to it and it's so good and there's so much going on in here that I thought that might be a way that we could approach it today. So that's what we're gonna do. All right, so she starts out the very first chapter of Harnessing Emotions. This is chapter three, so this is the third strand that we're getting into and she says, When I was in my first semester of graduate school, the professor teaching my psychological testing course handed me a stack of Rorschach, I don't know if I'm saying that right, Rorschach inkblot test to score. Before sending me on my way, he offhandedly said, double check the age of the person whose test you are scoring. If it's a teenager and you think it's a grown up, you'll conclude that you have a psychotic adult, but it's just a normal teenager. Y'all, that right there I think says it all. Our teenagers, when they appear to be psychotic or off-kilter a little bit, are actually just completely normal. And we have to continue to remind ourselves and others and our teens about that. So that's the first thing that really struck me. Um, And she, again, I highlighted again on the next page. In teenagers, normal seems crazy. 
So that's just what it is. Uh, when we're talking specifically about emotions, I highlighted this part that says girls are pretty easygoing until they become teenagers and their emotions kick up again. The brain remodels dramatically during the teenage years. So there's a lot going on. So we talk about brain development a lot of times with preschool students, and she talks a little bit about that and how their brains are growing and changing and they're learning so much. Well, there's again in these teen years a reorganization that happens in their brains and it's huge. She talks about, I didn't highlight this, but she talks about it starts down with the limbic system and then moves to the cortex and they all deal with different functions of how you operate eventually as an adult. And so you're going from one way of brain development all the way to a different, and I recently watched uh, Inside Out. And if you haven't watched the Disney movie Inside Out since your child has started to reach that preteen, teen era, I would watch it because I think it is just the perfect visualization of kind of how things are changing in your daughter's mind. So I would do that. Um, she states that the feeling centers beneath the cortex are actually more sensitive in teens than they are in children or adults. So they literally are more sensitive. It's not your imagination. They are more sensitive. Um, their emotional input rings like a gong for teenagers and a chime for everyone else. So when you say something to them and they flip out, it's because in their mind, whatever you said feels magnifying, legit. Um, the frontal cortex, the part of the brain that exerts a calming, rational influence, does not come fully online until adulthood. So they're not trying to be an over-emotional jerk. They're not trying to be dramatic per se when you <laughs> criticize them or critique them or give them advice. That's really how they feel. I think I highlighted somewhere else. Ah, yes. Here's the bottom line. What your daughter broadcasts matches what she actually experiences. So a lot of times we like to paint with a broad brush and say, oh, she's such a drama queen, when really she is accurately communicating to you how she's feeling. And it's not necessarily just to be dramatic. It, this is how it feels inside to her. It feels that intense. It feels that severe. It feels that oh, heavy, maybe. So if your teenage daughter is developing normally, you are living with someone who secretly worries that she is crazy and who might have the psychological assessment results of a psychotic adult. And I think that's the key. This is something that's really stuck with me each time I've read this book is that one of the things we need to reassure our daughters of is that they're not crazy. They are not crazy. Whatever they're experiencing, whatever they're feeling, it is normal. And that's hard to do because to us as adults who forgot what it was like to go from childhood to adulthood, we don't remember those feelings. We don't remember that uneasiness necessarily. I mean, I do, but partly that's because I study this stuff, I think. <laughs> um, so the next kind of section that she goes on to is called you, meaning you, the parent, the emotional dumping ground. And she talks about how our daughters complaining to us a lot allows them to go out in the world and bring their best self. Uh, so they kind of have limited willpower and they're using their willpower all day long to be pleasant and kind and a good student and a good friend. And so a lot of times they're going to come home to you and it is not going to be pretty. Um, 
they've used all their willpower that they have to be the person that they think they need to be out in the world. And then when it comes to you, it doesn't always go well. Um, she says, when your daughter complains, listen quietly and remind yourself that you are providing her with a way to unload the stress of her day. Do not feel pressed to solve your daughter's problems. You've probably tried and already found that she routinely rejects your suggestions, even the especially brilliant ones. I highlighted that. I thought that was important for me to remember. Uh, she says a good question that you could ask sometimes is, do you want my help with what you're describing or do you just need to vent? And I think that's a great question. I need to write that down on a post-it note and leave it somewhere where I'll see it, like maybe in the car. So when my daughter gets in the car, I can immediately have that line to pull out. Do you want my help or are you just needing to vent? Um, if the content of your daughter's venting strikes you as totally unfair and you feel compelled to weigh in, consider saying this, she says. I have a different take on that situation. Do you want to hear it? So particularly when they're venting about teachers or other kids or unfair situations, they might not want your advice. They just want to complain. But if you can let them know, hey, there might be another way to look at this, can, can I tell you what that other way might be? They might be open to that. And maybe not in that moment, but maybe if you give it some space and some time. So, um, and again, she sets up the boundaries. And I think we talked about this in another chapter in another podcast, and I just love this. Um, if your daughter feels that she has to punish you or punish your family for her bad day, um, if she has just decided she's going to be like a wretched individual for the rest of the evening or the week or whatever because of whatever has happened, um, she has this statement that I kind of love to set up your boundaries and saying, you may not be in a good mood, but you are not allowed to mistreat us. If you want to talk about what's bugging you, I'm here to listen. If you're going to be rude, she uses the word salty. I don't know if anyone uses that word anymore. But if you're going to be rude all night, don't do it here. That's just not acceptable in this family. So I really love that. Um, the next kind of section she talks about is the I'm upset, you're upset. And basically, in a nutshell, what she's talking about is externalization. And externalization is what happens when your daughter wants to get rid of an uncomfortable feeling. And so she basically has this heavy load of something and she wants you to carry it. So she gives it to you. Um, it's a strange and subtle process that helps make adolescence manageable for your daughter, but it makes life difficult for you. Um, a lot of times parents just don't even know how to deal with like when, when their kids dump a huge problem on them and they just feel overburdened by it. And a lot of times parents will jump into action. And that's actually, she says, um, the thing that you shouldn't do. She's like, when kids come and dump this huge problem on you, like I got an F in social studies or whatever, you know, I mean, just something big that's wrong and tragic in their life that is just totally screwed up. She urges us to do nothing because a lot of times two things are happening here. Our daughters are dumping it on us because emotionally they just can't handle it in the moment. But in the same time, they're already problem solving ways to figure it out and ways to make things happen. And they're just sharing it with you so they don't have to carry the emotional load. So she says, wait at least a day before taking any action because waiting gives that hot potato is what she calls it, this hot potato that they've given you, time to cool and gives you and your daughter time to craft a rational plan. 
you'd be surprised how rarely a plan even needs to be made once some time has passed. So whether it's a friend issue, a teacher issue, a school issue, an after school, academic issue, holding the potato, the hot potato, taking a breath, and either she might already come up with ways to problem solve it, or if you take some time together, you can find some ways to problem solve it. So that is something that she thinks is really important for us as parents to know, and I think that's huge. The next section, befriending distress. So this, ugh, I already see this coming. I have a 12-year-old, and this is already something that we deal with. So when she's talking about distress, she's talking about mentally healthy people. So even people who don't struggle with mental health issues on an ongoing basis get upset just like physically healthy people get sick. So just because you experience something distressing, just because you, um, how does she say it? Let me see. Let girls know that their emotions are a product of a highly developed system that provides them feedback about how their lives are going and the quality of choices they're making. So just because they're feeling depressed, just because they're feeling anxious, just because they're feeling this way, that's a good thing, actually. Those are things that are natural. That's our body and our mind and our um, spirit's way of telling us what's going on. It's a feedback loop of like, here's what's happening. Here's how your body's responding. How are we going to deal with this? How are we going to get healthy? How are we going to balance this? So one of the things she talks about is uh, this discomfort is sometimes like when you make a mistake and you feel this, oh, this angsty discomfort, it helps us to not make that same mistake again because we don't want to feel that way again. Um, when you can help your daughter look at that hard feeling and just look at it as information, not as anything tragic, this is information about what we did and how our body responds and how our psychological response is, and then we can move forward with that. Um, teenagers often have the right feeling on the wrong scale, she says, meaning that when something bad happens or when they make a mistake or when uh, they're feeling upset about a situation, they're right to feel the way they feel but the scale is like huge. Like if you and I would feel it at a five, they're feeling at a 500. And that's really tricky. And so uh, she talks about using specific words to help describe the cause of tears, talking about um, what are our uncomfortable feelings. I'm trying to think exactly why I, I highlighted that. I know you wanted to be on varsity. You're really disappointed. The outcome hurts. Using specific words to describe the cause of the upsetness of the tears, like disappointed and hurts, helps them to confront those feelings, like really understanding that. And I teach this a lot when I talk about um, cognitive re reconstruction, uh, which we'll get to that. I, I have it in a previous podcast, so I'll maybe link up to that in the show notes if I can find it. Um, but she definitely wants you, when she's feeling these magnified emotions, when she is feeling in distress about anything, she doesn't want you to minimize those feelings for your daughter. And um, a lot of times we're prone to saying like, oh, it's really not that bad, or oh, you can deal with this, or oh, it's gonna be fine. But what she really wants you to do is validate their feelings. Validate their feelings, Validate the emotion, say it's totally legit because that's the only way that you're going to actually then get to move forward. Sometimes 
they need to cry, they need to yell, they need to be exhausted from their emotions before they can move on to the next step. And we can be there alongside them and do that with them. So the thing that she really warns against in this next part is rumination. And if you haven't heard of rumination, it's basically when you take that distress and you just think about it and talk about it and think about it and talk about it and think about it and talk about it over and over and over again to where it's just all consuming, I guess is the best word. And so uh, the advice that I give with this, which is not necessarily from this book, but it's something that I've given, I've done for myself and I give to a lot of other people is when you feel that distress and you feel that discomfort, give yourself a time limit. What's my, how long am I going to let myself feel crappy about that? Or how long am I going to let myself sit with these feelings? Because these are valid feelings, but I'm going to set my alarm for, depending on the severity of the distress, 20 minutes to an hour. And I'm going to let myself just feel the feelings and be whatever. And then I'm going to pick myself up and I'm going to figure out how to move on. Now for teens, they might need a little longer. Maybe they need a day. Maybe they need two days. I don't know. It depends on your kid and it depends, but that's how I deal with that. Um, instead of ruminating, kind of trying to set myself a limit and then go forward. And she talks about during this time, a lot of times when girls are kind of in this distressed state, they like to return to childhood things. They like to feel the comfort of their stuffed animals or hugging and cuddling with mom or watching a TV show that used to give them comfort when they were younger. There's just those types of things. And those are good things to a certain point. And she wants to point that out, like do those things, um, enjoy that. It helps them to harness their emotions. And then you can go back out and, and take it to the next level and problem solve. So uh, one of the last things that she says here, I think, I'm trying to think, oh my gosh, yeah. Uh, there are lots of ways to harness feelings and only some of them involve talking. So our wordless gestures can go a long way. So I think that's really key as moms for us to remember. I'm such a talker. I'm such a verbose person in that way. And I think sometimes I need to remember like just a hug or baking their favorite treat or getting their favorite drink or... I don't know, um, sitting and reading with them, not talking about the problem, things like that can really go a long way. Um, I guess reading with them isn't wordless, but you see what I'm saying. Like it's not preaching about it. Um, so I think that's where we're going to stop today. There is still a little bit more here about harnessing emotions, but it really talks about actually uh, technology, uh, which we already hit on kind of in the the mini episode just before this one. And so we might circle back to that again towards the end of the book, but for now, that's the biggest thing about harnessing emotions and the things that we as parents kind of need to analyze and think about. So I encourage you to let me know what of that rings true for you or what did you get from this podcast? What did you think about that? You're like, whoa, that is a huge flag for me of something that I wasn't, I wasn't looking at it that way and now I am and, and that makes a lot of sense to me. So I would love to hear more from you. Uh, hope you have a great day and stay inside and stay safe. All right. Talk to you soon. All right, friends, that was the recap of Harnessing Emotions from Lisa DeMora's Untangled, guiding teenage girls through the seven transitions into adulthood. I'm so glad you joined me today. Keep choosing your thoughts, creating your life, and go out and change the world. I'm so excited that we're doing this together, both for ourselves and for our daughters. Talk to you soon. Thank you.